sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. My friends, today we mark a significant event. My good friend and colleague of many, many years is retiring as editor of the Seventh-day Adventist publication, Liberty Magazine, the nation's oldest magazine, well over a century old, oldest magazine dedicated to religious liberty. Lincoln Steed, welcome back to Freedom's Ring. Always a pleasure. And always a pleasure to have you. We are going to miss you. You have been serving faithfully, uh, editing this journal devoted to religious freedom for how many years? A couple of weeks over 22 years. Does not seem like it. I remember when I first started in the job, the then associate, I thought a young woman who had been there for about 18 years, Lolita, I remember we were sitting in my office and she was helping with something and she said, now I guess you're going to be retiring in this job. And it was like she reached out, punched me in the face. I thought, what sort of a comment is that? <laughs> and but 22 years later, it's true. Never imagined it, never intended it, and 22 years, gone. Well, you've seen a lot of change in religious freedom in the last 22 years. Have you given some thought to what some of the most significant changes have been? Well, changes in the world generally, and certainly even in the United States, there's changes. I think I've seen one of the things that I always used to bring up, or the dynamic of religious liberty. I've never felt that the best way to gauge the state of religious liberty is to look at legislation and the legal position. You know, we've been struggling as a church for a number of years to get some legislation through in the workplace to protect people, because First Amendment aside, uh, the uh, civil rights legislation aside, If it goes to a legal test most times now, you will not be accommodated. An employer only needs to show a de minimis effort, maybe a dollar's worth of trouble. And so that hasn't got any better. And I know anecdotally talking to a lot of people as I travel around, especially those that work at some of the the big box stores, I shouldn't name them, uh, they're not only not accommodating, they're filtering them out pretty well so they don't even employ them. That I've seen a change in. What I wrote in my editorial, I've seen religious liberty Warped and narrowed to where when most people talk religious liberty in the U.S., what they really mean is a religious entitlement. Well, what do you mean by religious entitlement? Like an entitlement for a particular view of religious expression. You know, one very, uh, in the headlines uh, aspect, is what religious people think about the gays. They want the right to limit the civil liberties that have newly been granted to gays, whether that's right or wrong morally, you know, I have opinions on it. But, you know, why should I use my religious liberty to restrict somebody else? But that's how they see it. Or the right to speak uh, outrageously about some element that that's otherwise would be offensive. And they certainly would not grant that to uh, uh, those of a religious viewpoint that they are not keen on. I call it an entitlement. Well, we also have it in terms of finance, because the, the law of religious freedom has changed with the assault on legal barriers to keep money out of government money out of the church. And there are literally, since the the Bush faith-based initiative launched, billions of dollars being funneled to 
churches and their ministries. Right. And uh, even our church, which uh, you and I, as part of the religious liberty uh, uh, cadre <laughs> within Adventism, we've carried on what has always been our advice, that it's best not to take state monies. But uh, uh, in various ways, even our organization, the Seventh Adventist Church, has taken it. And we're in the uh, unfortunate position now of trying to protect our institutions from government intrusion, which is there because we've taken the money. So it's sort of a catch-22. One principle we should have kept, if we had, we wouldn't have the second problem. Well, so one rule that has never been repealed is what I call the other golden rule. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the one that says, uh, he who's got the gold makes the rules. Right. So, you know, looking back on 22 years, um, anything of particular significance that jumps out, events or cases or issues, uh, you know, what are some of the highlights? What's really defined that time, and it happened early on, was 9-11. And the, uh, you know, instantaneous emergence of what many people still see as a religious threat from a radicalized version of, of Islam. Uh, I think since the COVID emergency, that's faded in many people's minds. But certainly uh, in the first few years of the Trump administration, he was going way beyond uh, what anybody legally would normally do in restricting uh, uh, movement and activities of Islam. Now, you know, some people would clap that on, but that just makes me uh, feel very depressed in my mind because that could just as easily be applied against the flavor of the month. You know, who knows what might happen with another religious group, or maybe all religions. And the COVID, I believe, has revealed somewhat of a uh, bias against religious prerogatives by the general public and certainly by many legislators. I know in California, your governor has been rather insensitive to the uh, need for continued uh, worship and, and assembly and so on. Well, you know, it strikes me, Lincoln, that true religious freedom has to be religious freedom for the other. Absolutely. That, you know, the us, those of us who think that we are the us in the us and them scenario, we don't have any freedom protected if they also aren't protected. Right. And that's been part of the genius of our Seventh-day Adventist global commitment to religious freedom, that it's a commitment not just for ourselves, but for those who believe differently. But this is not the common shared view among American Christians today, is it? No. And, you know, in some of the sad scenes that followed the election um, <laughs> objection, where there was that uh, uh, intrusion at the U.S. Capitol, it's very obvious that many people there don't see it for everybody else. They've sort of rolled up their religious exclusive view and their view of what it is to be an American. And you know, and we might take a flag with us or a pitchfork or whatever required, but we'll fight for that. But we're not going to fight for you. It's our version of America, our version of freedom. I believe we're right on the cusp of something very, um, well, I hope not violent, but something very historic. And unfortunately, you know, I've, I've bowed out now. And I no apologies because I'm of the age. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for five years. I could have retired five years ago, but my wife didn't want to put me in the garden just yet. <laughs> but, uh, no, I believe very likely what will happen, this COVID situation is, is not going away. Although we don't know if there will be a full second act or if it will just be a, 
a, uh, a link virus that'll come back every year. But I believe it's very likely there'll be a severe economic stress. And in times of economic stress, other issues that are already there suddenly become critical. And uh, that's what I think is going to happen in probably 12 to 24 months. Well, you're much more willing to um, to predict the future, to speculate than I am. You know, I, I've been at it a little longer than you. I'm in what my, uh, let's see, 28th year here. I lost track for a moment. But I succeeded somebody who was very keen on yes. speculating <laughs> about how prophecy would be fulfilled. And, and I decided that um, I was going to take a more lawyerly approach and, you know, kind of Joe Friday like just the facts, ma'am. You know, let's just stick with the evidence and not uh, not try to speculate too much. Well, you and I share a common uh, theological prophetic understanding. And I understand that. But, we, you know, that the disciples went to their graves expecting the immediate return of Christ. And we're nearly 2000 years later. But the more persuasive dynamic to me are the patterns of history and of human behavior. And you don't have to be a prophet to know what happens when there is a severe economic dislocation. And you don't have to be a prophet to predict trouble when we're, you know, a government that's already bankrupt is giving away $5 trillion. We're going to have mass inflation. Timber doubled in the last year. Every week things go up radically. And, and that's just stress on the system. But the system could break and it'll be rebuilt again. You know, barring the immediate uh, return of Christ, we don't know when that is. But I can confidently tell you there will be a financial stressor in the short term. Well, and religious liberty will be uh, on its mark. We have to watch very closely. You know, I do a, a mini evangelistic series, a four or five part series under the title The Coming Economic Collapse. Right. But one of my titles is called Not Whether But When. And so rather than uh, try to time it. I simply rely on passages like James 5 and Revelation 18, where the Bible really describes what I call, uh, you know, the wheels coming off of the uh, the engine of global commerce, you know, grinds to a halt. A uh, very vivid picture there, but there's certainly, you know, at any one point, we always see plenty of risks. In the economic system, it strikes me just to change subject slightly, you know, back to what you were saying before about what happened on January 6th, seems to me one of the big developments in the last couple of decades that you've served as Liberty Editor, the religious right went from being kind of a special interest group of the Republican Party to really being the dominant force in the Republican Party and having a much more powerful role in American society overall. And I don't think that it has boded well for the reputation of the American church, which increasingly seems to be defined not by the teachings of Jesus, but by what the church is against. Well, again, we're back to the patterns of history. And this change has been a long time in the making. And things tend to continue in the way they're going, unless brought up short by some radical change. And there hasn't been that. In fact, there was a radical empowerment with the Trump administration and uh, uh, not just the foolishness of prophets seeing him as Osiris and so on. This was the political power that they had sought for a long time. But I've got to go back to a little bit of what I was saying before. You know, editing Liberty magazine only coming out every two months and the lead time is about six months. I've got to have some sort of 
inkling of what's going to be around when that issue comes. And I think I've played it pretty well. And you were even on our board recently. A couple of times I've been frustrated. I believe I had it right. I tried to put an article in right up the sweet spot about the moral and religious and the health questions on immunization. That's a hot topic. You know, they thwarted it for a couple of months. But in the end, I popped it in with slight changes. And when I look back, I really was able to to guesstimate ahead quite often. And uh, it's from history. It's from looking at current events. And it's it's from prophecy. Maybe not particularly all one, but a combination. And even then, you can get it wrong. But I can't think when I've got it majorly wrong. Uh, you know, on one level, I'm an optimist. And yet on uh, using the information that I see there, I can have no optimism. I think religious liberty in the U.S. is headed for dark days. And the whole world is headed for a very interesting time, I think. Whether COVID is going to bring on a sort of a globalist um, repression, I don't know. But that's where we're headed. And on that note, Lincoln, dark as it may be, we're going to have to take a pause because time has run out. But I will direct our listeners to the website, libertymagazine.org, and would encourage to read up on the articles that Lincoln has presided over in these issues over recent years. Lincoln, you've done a fantastic job. Well, I've enjoyed it and enjoyed working with you, Alan. We're going to miss you, but uh, it doesn't mean we're not going to have you back on Freedom's Rank because you're always attuned to things in society. Thank you so much for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. As we close, remember here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom, we help workers suffering religious discrimination. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. And don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed, get involved. Join the North American Religious Liberty Association on the web at religiousliberty.info. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rynock. Till next week, let freedom ring.